Hi, this is Nate Ortiz, and this is Walking in Power. And I want to talk to you today about prayer. For those of us who remember, there was an old song that used to say, Living on a Prayer. And prayer is such an important part of our lives. Now, depending how you grew up or depending what your experience was with church, sometimes we think of prayer as this, you know, this very, you know, you're in church, you're sitting in a pew and you're praying, or maybe you have a picture of you sitting, you know, at your bedside, you know, with your hands clasped and you're praying. But let me encourage you, when I talk about living on a prayer, when I talk about this idea of a lifestyle of praying, this is something that you can pray wherever you are, right? You could pray at the gym, you could pray in the car, you could pray cutting the grass. It's this understanding that right god is always listening to us as we begin to pray there's things where maybe just you're know, doing something you go about in your everyday life and you kind of got something in your heart you want to pray about or maybe something that's worrying you that you take it to prayer i i want to encourage you that as we kind of grow through this teaching today that you would have this idea that says, you know what, I want to just grow my prayer life. I don't want to just have it just be in the morning and I don't think about it. Maybe pray at different parts of the day, uh, whether it's, you know, you know, at lunch or wherever it might be, just to kind of get in this mindset of saying, you know, I could pray, I have this big meeting cup or I have a big decision that I have to make. Um, or you could pray for the same thing multiple times throughout the day. But to make it more of a, a priority or a lifestyle, something that integrates in, right? You don't have to have all the fancy words, right? But you could be in this place just to say, Lord, you know my heart. You know what I'm going through. Help me. Give me the wisdom, right? It could be just something simple. Just speak your heart when you're praying. But prayer changes everything. I truly believe that. Prayer changes everything, and most times it begins in you. I know for me, when I pray, uh, when I used to think just like, Lord, if you just do what I need you to do, this would be great. But God wants to do things inside your, your heart. He wants to do things inside my heart. And when we open ourselves up in prayer, um, consistently, we begin to really have a different perspective of how we hold things in our heart and how we view them. And so, you know, many of you guys are familiar with Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to read it on this uh, podcast, but uh, the Lord's Prayer, you can read it, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Uh, but this is the Lord, how he model, he tells us how to pray. This is how he models prayer for us, that you can read it. Some of you might even have it memorized. Our, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right, You might even say, oh, yeah, I, I remember that prayer. Right, But I want to talk about, right, not just saying the words of that, but to understand the depth of the prayer. So this is why prayer is important. Prayer brings perspective. Our perspective and God's perspective doesn't always line up. That happens, right? There's things that we say, God, I was praying, I wanted this to happen, and it didn't happen that way. When we begin to pray, it helps line our perspective saying, God, what are you seeing? I always say it like this, you are wanting to get a heavenly perspective on an earthly situation, right? The old analogy that, right, you could look at a, stand next to a building in you know, downtown Pittsburgh, and you can see how big it is. And you say, wow, that's massive, right? But if you get into a plane and you look down at Pittsburgh, Right, everything looks small, it's tiny, it's that perspective, it's that when you elevate yourself, the things, when you get that heavenly perspective, the things you're looking at maybe just have a different uh, viewpoint to you, that they maybe don't intimidate you as they once did. So it changes your perspective. Prayer is important because it reveals what is in your heart. Remember, God can't bless you, pretend to be, and he can't heal what you refuse to let go. So, right, we can come into work, we go to church, we could be this type of person that, you know, we put on the facade and we just, you know, smile and we're shaking hands and we're making jokes, but maybe inside we're not really doing well, right? God can't bless you pretend to be, right? If you're not the type of person that is operating in integrity when no one's around and operating in character, God can't bless that. God, and, and, and 
you have to understand that you might say, well, I'm not operating integrity, but God's still blessing me, or I'm doing things that are contrary to God's word, and I don't have any issues. Here's the thing you have to realize that um, you could be operating in that, but at the end, right, at the end of your life or at the end of a season, things catch up to you, right? Things get revealed, and you want to be a person that says, hey, everything I'm doing is bringing glory to God. Everything I'm doing is is honoring. I'm trying to live to his word. I'm trying to live to that standard. So, and also in your heart and in your life as you pray, it's important because, you know, there's some of you that hold on to bitterness or unforgiveness or different things in your heart, and you have to let go of that as well. And prayer helps with that. Uh, when you begin to meditate and say, Lord, help me with this area of my life, this, this maybe it's, it's this depression, anxiety, or whatever it might be, right? Unforgiveness, bitterness, you have to let it go to begin to let God heal that inside your heart. And why is prayer important? The last thing is Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed often. So if Jesus, the Son of God, is praying, how much more do you and I need to pray? Some of you are saying, I need to pray just to make it through the day, through this next moment. We need to pray. So Jesus taught us how to pray. And when you begin to understand how prayer changed you from the inside, I believe that you will see these three things in prayer. Prayer is personal, prayer is obedience, and prayer is forgiveness. Prayer is personal. I always say it like this. You know, I believe nothing calls you to personal prayer like family. There's times we could pray for different things and, and you know, God, I need this. You know, I'd love for this to happen. God, I, I need this. But in your family, I feel like, man, nothing calls you personal prayer like that. When maybe someone is sick or, or maybe something's going on, someone near to you is going through a difficult time, right? You begin to pray because it's personal to you. You're saying, hey, this isn't just anybody. This is my family member. This is someone I love and I care about. And, you know, your family members, right, they can also push your buttons like no one else can, right? You think you have patience, but then, man, you, you know, this this is going on in the area. You know, your kids are asking for this, or your spouse is asking for this, and it could be overwhelming sometimes, but, right, they could push those buttons and you can feel stressed out. But when you begin to pray, you got to say, Lord, help me be the best version of who I am, who you've called me to be. And so I remember, you know, being married, I used to think, you know, when I first got married, that man, if, if my wife could just see things the way that I see it, this would go so much smoother, right? But God was much interested in about changing my heart than changing everything else around me. Isn't that how we, we think about it? We say, God, if you could change everything else around me, that would be great. And because I know I'm right. But really, God's saying, well, where can we move in your heart? And we'll begin to see things around you shift and change. And so we get more interested in saying, God, move heaven and earth to accomplish what I need when God's really more interested in saying, hey, how can I move you closer to my will? I like to say when you pray, private prayers produce righteous results. Private prayers produce righteous results. Jesus tells us, you know, in that passage of scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 6, that Jesus tells people that who pray openly for attention will have the reward, but when they pray in private, he will reward us openly. So when you pray in private, there's things that are going to happen publicly, not because you're just doing it publicly, because you're praying in private. You're operating in that integrity, that character, that, that growing your faith in your prayer life. And so, you know, if you were with someone, you know, maybe you have a reward. I use this example. Maybe you're going to Starbucks and you're, you have your reward and you got a free drink coming up and you're with a friend and that friend just steps in front of you and says, hey, I'm going to take your coffee, Right. I'm sure you love that friend, but they're trying to step in and take your reward. Sometimes people do that in their faith and with their Christian walk. 
They'll say, man, God's blessing everyone else. He's not blessing me. And how come that person seems to get this and seems to get that? And we lose focus of saying, you don't know what their prayer life looks like. You don't know what they've done in private, you know, that no one has seen that they're saying, God, I'm laying everything down so God can begin to bless them and move in their life. And so you want to understand that in your life, maybe not seeing things publicly where you want to see them to be, but where is your prayer life? Prayer aligns us to God's will. Personal prayer time brings alignment to your life. In verse 10, it says uh, in Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right. That we are saying, God, we want your kingdom here on earth. I want it in my life. I want it in my family. I want it in my business. May you be the center of what's going on. In Luke 9, 25, he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The thing I love about the Christian faith is that Jesus has never asked us to do something that he hasn't done himself. I say it so many times because when we read the scriptures and we read these teachings, we have to understand that Jesus lived this. He walked out. He prayed. He was in difficult situations. But I'm telling you, there's times that we can pray things that we don't necessarily believe. Right? We can say, like, Lord, I'll do it. But in our hearts, we don't really believe it. And for Jesus, he taught about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, but there was coming a time where what he prayed and what he b- believed was going to intersect. So this leads me to my next point is that prayer is obedience. Prayer is framed by obedience, not convenience. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching about prayer. But in Matthew 26, he is modeling what he taught in the middle of a difficult moment. In Matthew 26, see, this is Jesus, when, right? He's in the garden and he is about to be betrayed, taken by the guards, and about to be crucified on the cross. And Jesus in this difficult situation, the disciples who he's poured into, the, I mean, these were his boys. These were people that he did everything with. They, they are like, I mean, these are the ones, like, tip of the spear. These are the, his aces, all right? They, he says, I need you to stay awake and pray with me. You know, my time is coming. And what they do, they fall asleep. And Jesus goes and he starts praying. More, right? He's praying so hard. Bible says that, you know, uh, drops of blood are coming from his forehead. He's praying so hard. And in this moment, right, the Bible says that he was feeling exceedingly sorrowful. Imagine seeing Jesus, right? We think about Jesus being happy or, you know, maybe other images come to your mind. But in this passage, it says that Jesus was feeling exceedingly sorrowful. That's a tough picture to look at. But in Matthew chapter 26, when he goes down and he's laying down and praying, he says, God, not my will, but your will be done. And I think that's the kind of mentality that we need to have in the most difficult moments of our lives where things aren't making sense. Where it could be a challenge to say, Lord, I wasn't expecting that to go that way. But we say, Lord, let it be your will and not my will. Jesus prayed for the obedience to do the Father's will and not his own, just as he told us in Matthew chapter 6. I remember um, there was a time where I was at a church working and God really challenged me because I felt so called to that community. I felt so called serving there. And there was a time coming where there was some uh, financial situations that they might have to let some people go. And I remember just feeling like, man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And God really challenged me. He said, are you called to people or to paychecks? And in that moment, it really checked my heart because I knew what God called me to. And because things were rockier, things were shaking. I was putting my will, my thoughts before what God wants to accomplish. And God was faithful and we got through that difficult season. But I want to encourage you to always, to always, listen, always say, God, let your will be done, not my will. 
St. Augustine had this quote. He said, pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depended on you, right? It's both and. It's not just praying and saying, God, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. But saying, I'm praying and I'm believing, but I'm also working towards it. I'm moving towards what I believe that God has. And if it doesn't turn out the way that you thought it would, still trust God. Know that he has a greater plan that he's working out for you, but just to trust and obey him. But the last thing I'd like to say is prayer is forgiveness, right? We said prayer is personal, prayer is obedience, and prayer is forgiveness. Going back to Matthew chapter 6, after Jesus says amen, he continues and says, you must have forgiveness, right? He mentions it in his prayer. He says amen, and he goes back to it. In verse 14, 15, he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses, I love this quote. It says, unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. Having unforgiveness in your heart is no way to live. It's hard and difficult. I'm not belittling anyone who's gone through something difficult. Some of you might have, might have experienced terrible things in your life, deplorable things in your life, things that have caused deep wounds and scars in your heart. I would never for one moment minimize that at all. And for some, right, you're just angry towards something that someone has done to you and you carry this unforgiveness in your heart. That's no way to live. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 says, be angry and do not sin. Let, uh, do not let the sun go down in your wrath nor give place to the devil, right? Our emotions, right? It's okay. If we're not talking about never feel angry, never feel betrayed, never feel these things. Jesus felt those things, but our emotions can't govern us in defining our faith. But when we pray, we have to say, Lord, help me to forgive people. It might take you a very long time that there is this process to forgiveness, right? That you say, Lord, I, I want to release that person. I don't want to carry bitterness, unforgiveness in my heart towards them because forgiveness is the heart of the Father. When Judas, when Judas came to the garden, one of the disciples who was going to betray Jesus in Matthew chapter 26, he sells him out. One of his close disciples actually sells him out, literally. And Jesus, in that passage of Scripture, calls him friend. What a powerful moment. I can tell you, in that moment, if someone was betraying me, I don't think I'd be calling someone friend. I'd probably have some other words to be calling them. But Jesus calls Judas friend because Jesus knew that even in the midst of Judas's you know, crookedness, that he was serving a greater purpose and a greater will and that God had him. And so if we are living a life of prayer, we have to commit these things that we understand that, like that prayer is personal. Make it about yourself. What is God speaking to you? What is God revealing in your heart? And when you begin to reveal those things to you, how are you then being obedient to it? That you just don't pray. And when God gives you a direction or nudges you a certain way, you feel like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Right? Are you obedient to what God wants to do? And then lastly, forgiveness. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive today. Maybe there's someone you need to, to, to call. Maybe there's someone you need to just, uh, in your own heart, just continue to pray for as you ask for forgiveness in your own heart. So I encourage you today, in closing, make prayer a part of your life. Find a place to pray. Maybe it's a place your house. Maybe it's a, you go for a walk. Whatever it is, find a place to pray. Make it a priority to, today that you would just have this um, understanding that when you pray, God is listening. And God is always speaking. Let's have the ears to hear what he is saying and apply it to our lives. 
Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Walking in Power. Thank you.